Hello, welcome to another episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. I am Lindsay Recknell, and I am so excited to have today's guest, Jenna Lesner, here with us today. Jenna is a wellness coach who empowers her clients with self-love and supports them to understand why their emotions impact their food choices and vice versa. After her own 130-pound weight loss, Jenna became passionate about nutrition and helping other individuals improve their health and longevity. Jenna focuses her work around emotional eating and body acceptance coaching, which allows her to help her clients get to the root of their issues with food. Jenna, I cannot even wait to hear about your incredible story. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Been such a cool uh, way that you and I have got to know each other. I think I saw a post on social media that you had um, bravely put out there. And I know so many women and men and and just humans that struggle with food and, and body image. And I mean, goodness, our kids, right? That um, it, is so, it is so prolific. And I just feel like you have used your hope for a future better than today uh, in your own personal journey. And I know that you help your clients to do that as well. And um, yeah, I'd love to share your story with our audience. So please tell us your story. <laughs> well, it started many years ago. Um, for as long as I can remember, I used food to comfort every emotion under the sun, um, numbing every emotion that I could. Um, and when I graduated university, which, oh my God, is 11 years ago now in 2010, um, my weight was 295 pounds. And that day that I stepped on the scale and saw that number staring back at me was like my turning point in my life. Um, it was a really wake up call and I vowed that I would never reach 300 pounds. Um, that vow came at the price of deprivation and binge eating. And it was this vicious cycle that I was in for a really long time. I think anyone who's been on a diet can relate to that experience of um, really restricting food, but then feeling hungry and ending up binging or overeating later. Um, so I tried fad diet for fad diet and three years later, and I was still, you know, losing and gaining that same 50 pounds or 20 pounds, whatever it was at the time. And I can see so clearly what I was doing um, in the moment, but when you're in it, it's hard to recognize what's going on for you. Um, I could see that I was eating um, emotionally um, and that I was just full of self-loathing. I just, um, it was coming from a place of depression, uh, anxiety, all of the feelings really. And there was a moment in 2013 when I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is not working. If I don't change something right now. I am headed towards an early grave. And I was only like, uh, I want to say like 26 at the time, right? So it was like a huge wake up call to actually change my life, allowing myself to feel my feelings instead of numbing them with food was like a huge thing for me. And I know that that's scary for so many of my clients. Um, so what I do with clients is, show them how to process their emotions instead of numbing them or avoiding them because they're not going to go away unless you actually process them. And uh, that allowed me to find other ways that actually supported what I needed. Um, our heart wants connection and not food. So if we're feeding loneliness or numbing loneliness with food, that's not really serving us. 
Um, when we're lonely, we want connection, right? So reaching out to someone, a loved one, friend, family member, as opposed to going and eating a, a whole bag of chips um, is really serving you a lot better in that moment. And, and that's really what I learned in 2013 through my own self-exploration. Um, that year, I lost 90 pounds in seven months, uh, which is enough for people to stop and go, whoa, Jenna, is that you? Like, you look completely different. Like, who are you? And I always like in the, I remember thinking in the moment I walked into my hair salon to get a haircut and he was just like floored because he hadn't seen me in months. And I was like, I know my hair's way longer. He's like, no, that's not it at all. <laughs> I didn't see the change. Um, I saw the, the girl that I was at 295 when I looked in the mirror. So there was definitely some body dysmorphia and disconnection with myself. Um, and it's through that journey of learning I guess relearning, um, because I think that we're born with this ability to love ourselves um, and through conditioning that we lose touch of that. Relearning to love myself through gratitude has been a huge one for me. So standing in the mirror, as uncomfortable as it is, and offering your body gratitude. And I think so many people get hung up on what their body looks like as opposed to what their body is doing for them. And so an exercise that I do with clients that has been really powerful for them is to offer their body gratitude for what it does. And if we think about everything that our bodies do, it's pretty miraculous in the way, right? And like we take food and make it into usable energy so we can go for a walk or a run or climb a mountain or whatever it is that you do with your body, right? And um, as an able-bodied person, like, taking for granted that I have legs that work, right? And I know when back in my story in 2013, I was also suffering from a very deep depression. And there was a moment where I was ready to end my life. And I went for a walk. And I saw this man running on getting emotional because it is, it is a, a very hard time. But I saw this man running on... Um, blades when I was out for my walk and I was like holy crap like here I am and I am able to go for a walk and I am able-bodied I'm able to do all of the things that I can and this man is out running on blades and like what has he overcome to get to that right so that was like a really big wake-up call for me too to start living the life I wanted to live and making that choice of what do I want to do with my life? Is it sit and be depressed and be miserable and hate my body? Or is it to get out, go outside, do something that brings me joy, brings me hope, and really fills me with a sense of purpose? And I think that that's really where things started to shift for me, um, diving into nutrition, because I could see the impact that food made on how I felt not only physically, but mentally, um, and my emotional health, right? People don't always equate foods to their moods, right? And, and looking at, oh, okay, I ate that, but like, how do I feel afterwards? Not just bloated and digestion, but like, how is my mood? Am I angry? Am I even lethargic? That's the number one symptom of a food sensitivity. And, and just bringing that awareness of how food is actually making you feel was so transformative for me. And it's what I teach my clients now. And at the end of their programs, they're like, I didn't know 
that I could feel this good just by choosing foods that really feel good in my body. And after like four, four and a half years of being a nutrition coach, um, that's when nutrition has come down for me is like helping people find foods that make their body feel good. Cause there is no one diet that's all right. Everyone's body is uniquely different and, um, different foods feel different in different bodies, basically, right? So it can't just be this mass generalization of everyone eats paleo, everyone keto or plant-based or whatever the the fad diet is at the time. Um, It really needs to come back to the individual and like what what truly feels good in your body. yeah, I forget where I was going with that, but that's where that's where we ended. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Uh, thank you for being so brave to share your story with us. It clearly uh, was a super emotional and difficult time, and I'm uh, yeah, I'm just honored that you would even share that with us. So I really appreciate that. Um, a number of th- I took a, I took a bunch of notes because a number of things that you said really resonated. Um, tell me more. You said that you believe that we are born with the ability to love ourselves. Why do we lose that? Where do we lose that? How do we get it back? <laughs> um, I think a lot of our our beliefs when it comes to ourselves come from the adults in our lives, the people that are surrounding us. Not, I guess, not only adults, but our peers and um, maybe older siblings, right? And it's the w- watching them how they communicate with themselves and there was a video going around viral. I think it was a few years ago. It was this little girl standing in the mirror and just being like, I love you. I don't know if remember seeing that. I do remember seeing it. It was awesome. Yeah. And I think that we are born with that, right? That we have that ability to naturally love ourselves. And when we watch other humans, um, people that we look up to when we are younger, we take on their beliefs, right? That's how our beliefs are formed is we, we pull them from the adults in our lives. So if we're seeing maybe like our mom or aunt or babysitter, whoever it is, and they're just like, Oh, like I just look fat and gross. And like, I'm so disgusting and I want to lose weight and I'm going to try this diet and this diet and nothing ever works. And they're just constantly so critical of their bodies. Um, we take that on and that's what we are conditioned to believe that I'm not good enough unless I work, I look this way, or I have this certain type of body type. Um, but in my experience, either when you lose the weight and get that ideal body, that doesn't mean that you automatically love yourself, right? So it takes so much more work than just losing weight to actually love yourself. And that was my experience, 130 pounds of weight loss. And I hated myself more than I did at 295 pounds, um, which is just, you know, speaks to the truth that happiness or weight loss does not equal happiness. Weight loss does not equal love, right? That comes from inside. And it's not this external validation that we think that it is, right? It's, it's generating that from within and gratitude journaling and meditation. And that self-exploration of who I really am has made like the hugest difference in how I view myself and how um, I help clients do that same thing. Amazing. It um it sounds exhausting to be honest. You know, there's the you, you know, you have to approach it from so many 
aspects, right? It's that wholehearted, Brene Brown will call it wholeheartedness. Mm -hmm. It's the physical aspect of losing the physical weight, um, whether that's through dieting or, or better nutrition and exercise and all of those things. But then you also have to manage the emotional side of it. And then the, the physiological, the psychological side of it as well. Um, that's exhausting. It feels exhausting, even just talking about it. And I, I know personally for me, I've, um, I've struggled with my weight as well, just from a, from a, what I see in the mirror, you know, not what other people see, but my own perception of myself. And I've always been physically active my whole life. Um, and I'm just big thighed. That's just, you know, at 41 years old, I finally get to the point where I recognize that that's what it's like for me. But I also remember in my moments of, oh my God, I'm so fat. My pants don't fit. Everybody's staring at me, knowing the right thing to do, knowing what I should be doing, following all the healthy people that I know I should be mentoring myself against, but not tipping, not tipping over to take that action to be healthier, to do the things. Um, because it sounded, it feel, it felt just too much. It felt too exhausting for me. What advice do you have for people who are in that place who just can't find the action towards that hopeful future? Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, Something that I talk a lot about with clients is the why and really focusing in on why you want to make that change. If you were successful, what did that, what would that mean to you? What does that look like? Um, And when I think when we connect to the why we're making any change in our life, um, whether it's around our health or business or family, whatever it is, um, when we make that emotional connection, we're more apt to do the things that we need to do to be successful in it. Um, So back in 2013, one of my whys was I was 26, right? So I I knew that if I didn't make a change, I wouldn't be the person I would be when I was wanted to be when I was 60. Right. So I wanted to be, you know, running a marathon when I was 60, I wanted to be climbing mountains into my seventies And would that be possible if I continued to make the lifestyle changes that I was making? It wouldn't. So that was really a driving force behind my why. So a lot of people that I I talk to and have them define their why, sometimes it's their kids and like wanting to be a healthy role model for their children and to set their kid up for more self-love and healthy eating habits or lifestyle that maybe they didn't receive as a child. Um, And it really just depends. Every person's different of what their why is. But I think if we can define that why, write it out, paste it on your mirror or somewhere where you can read it every day to remind yourself of like, this is why I'm choosing this. This is why I get up at 6am and go for a walk or whatever it is and make a smoothie or, you know, have the salad over French fries. Um, and just really connecting to why you're doing what you're doing. Very cool. Very cool. Um, this is a podcast about hope and the why mm-hmm. fits really well into my work around hope. Uh, I've talked a lot about hope theory and hope theory is your goal plus your um, agency thinking, which is your why plus pathways thinking, which is your how it's, it's, it's what it's your, what it's what you're going to do to, to take the action, to do the things. Um, and that agency thinking, having agency over your 
actions and the reason behind the motivation behind doing what you're doing is not only anecdotal, but it's scientific, which is really, really cool, right? So when you're when you're encouraging your clients with their sticky notes on their mirror, not only is that going to make them feel good on the inside, but it's actually positively affecting their brain in the right way, right? It's creating those future visions, which is scientifically proven to help. So very, very cool. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. I bet you've had a lot of success with that. Um, and, and your clients must feel really good once they once they can identify that and really connect to it. Yeah, for sure. It It's definitely a, a change or like a tipping point in how your coaching goes, right? With through over three months or four months, whatever the program that they're on, but being able to connect with a why of why you're doing things, it's so motivating. And like, I, I really haven't found anything else myself to be as impactful. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, something else you mentioned was sort of the story when you were out for a walk and you met that gentleman who looked like he'd overcome a ton, um, being running on blades sounds incredible. Um, that whole idea of, I get to, right. It's that perception change of, I get to do these things. I have the power. I have the the legs, that kind of thing. Um, I feel like that must be a message that you believe in and work with your clients on as well. How do you use, how do you encourage people to think that way as well? Mm. Um, I think for starters, it's the awareness of their language, right? When they say, oh, I have to meal plan. Oh, I have to go to the gym. Oh, I have to go buy groceries and it's, you know, so draining of my energy. I was like, you get to do those things. That is a privilege. That is a privilege to have a gym membership or, you know, have be able body that you can go for a walk to have the money to afford to go buy groceries right now, to have the time to make yourself delicious meals that actually support your body. That is a privilege. So you get to do those things. So even just like checking my client's language in that moment um, helps shift their, their mindset around it and like, oh, right. Yeah. That I do get to do that. Like that is really what it is. So, and then in conversation, if in follow-up appointments, if that I have to do something comes up again, I was like, no, just wait for a second. You get to do that. Or, you know, you can choose not to do that either one. Right. Um, and it's just that constant, um, check-in, just like check your language and like, how am I viewing this right now? Because just that one word completely shifts everything for you. It does. It feels like it moves it from an obligation into something that, yeah, that to be grateful for that something you get to do takes away mm-hmm. that obligation. Yeah. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for that. Um, all right. Two more other questions I have for you. Uh, you mentioned foods to moods hugely transformative to recognize, and especially the older I get, to recognize the effect that particular foods have on me. Um, And I know my husband's recognized that over time as well. And if we get busy, if we get stressed, if we get, you know, overwhelmed, we will approach food in different ways. So uh, can you talk a little bit more about how food affects our mood and maybe a couple of choices that we can make, uh, that would positively affect our mood. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you bring up stress because the research says like when we're stressed, there is this 
um, physiological, like almost craving for like salty and sugary and like fried foods, right? So there's like a reason why people gravitate towards those foods when they are feeling that way. But the interesting thing is, is when you're eating a heavily processed diet, a lot of fried foods, a lot of refined sugar, it's actually creating more stress in your body. So it elevates your stress levels. Um, so it's doing like the opposite of what you're actually wanting it to do in that sense. Um, and food can impact moods in like, if we look at people that suffer with depression or anxiety and how food is impacting their moods and inflammation on their brain, right? So choosing foods that are healthy, um, dietary fats, um, I think that the eighties did a huge disservice to the the population of bringing in low fat diets because our bodies need fat. And if we have a healthy dose of essential fatty acids, it actually supports our brain health and therefore our moods. So things like fatty fish, so salmon, um, coconut oil, um, avocados are great. So have your guacamole, um, and other things. Uh, protein can make a big difference on our mood. So protein helps balance blood sugar. It, it helps support hormone balance in our bodies. So getting enough protein throughout the day and not just eating it at the end of the day in one meal, but consistently having it throughout the day um, can be really beneficial for your mood. So um, instead of having a, a sugary, sugar-filled breakfast cereal, maybe adding a little bit more protein to that, whether that's um, a nut butter or collagen powder. I put collagen in my coffee because I think it's amazing. Oh, good. <laughs> so, I do too. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to good. hear an expert to say that that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but side note, what I love about collagen powder is that it is pure protein. There are no other additives in it. Um, it doesn't have a taste. You can put it in everything. Um, and then I'm vain. It's good for skin, hair, and nails too. So. <laughs> That's what I like it for. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, total tangent, but do you have a particular brand that's good that you would um, recommend? Yeah, I buy um, Organica. So it's grass-fed beef, organic. Um, and the cheapest I've ever found collagen is at Costco. So yeah. they sell Organica there actually. Um, so that's the brand that I like to use. Okay, great. Uh, the link will yeah. be in the show notes for those of you who are interested in collagen because yeah. it is, uh, yeah, it's been life-changing. Somebody told me in the summertime that uh, as anybody over 40, you deplete your collagen levels over time. And um, if I wanted to continue having great na- nails, hair, and skin, that I should get on it. <laughs> so, yeah. Besides, well, it tastes good. I don't mind it in my coffee. Yeah. And um, so there's collagen in our skin, right? So when we have like wrinkles or like sagging skin, usually that is a sign that there may be a deficiency of collagen. So um, yeah, adding that in is beneficial for that. So I like to use it for that and it's a protein source. So I use it as a a protein for at breakfast time. Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much. Um, So my philosophy around hope that without action, hope is just a wish. That in order to really get to where we want to be, we need to take action over the things we can control. I have to think that when people come to see you or you're having conversations with potential clients, it must seem so overwhelming to them. I know for me that when I started my journey five years ago to health and um, just taking care of myself in a better way, 
I didn't know where to start or how to start there. Mm-hmm. What suggestions do you have on where to start? Where to start? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that there can be huge success and huge change in making small changes. I think that many people, I've done it myself, that whole um, black and white thinking of, I need to overhaul my entire life in order to make this change. Like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and this, and I'm just going to change everything right now, tomorrow at 5 a.m. Does it work? No, it doesn't work. (laughs) That's why New Year's resolutions don't work. Um, But making small, meaningful changes that are actually doable and realistic for you. I had a client the other week where um, I was like, I think, you know, adding in some movement, the benefits of just having 30 minutes of movement um, can, you know, benefit your goals, help your, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, um, and just getting fresh air, right? It's so beneficial. And she's like, Hey, I'm gonna go for an hour walk every day for the next week. And it was like, great, but (laughs) is that realistic? Can you realistically commit to that goal? And it's just like checking that and be like, what can I commit to? And almost putting less committing to less can set you up for greater success. Yeah. Right. So if you're like, I could do three days, three days seems like something I can commit to great commit to three days. And if you do five amazing, then it's like, I get a gold star because I did two extra days. Right. So it, it changes the, the mindset around it because it's more of a win as opposed to, Oh, well, I only did five. Like I suck. Right. Um, so it completely changes just that the view of it, even though you did the same amount of days. Mm. Again, back to that mindset, right? That, mm-hmm. that just a different check your language, a different way to look at it. Um, mm-hmm. I try to, my, my personal kind of goal that I work, um, on is I like to exercise every day. Um, and so I will exercise and I do it in the morning. So I will exercise in the morning on the days that I can. And the days that I have an early morning call or, you know, I'm not feeling well or something like that, I give myself the grace to just not do it on those days. But every other day when I can, I will do it. Um, And it's, it's been my way of, yeah, of changing my perception around it instead of feeling like I've failed if I don't work out seven days a week. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, because we know that in a perfect world, we would work out every day for an, go for a walk for an hour, but life gets in the way, right? Mm -hmm. You know, things happen and, and having that grace to be able to forgive ourselves or, or that self uh, acceptance, like you talked about, uh, I think is really, really cool. Yeah. And self-compassion, right. Of it's, I, another thing I talked to clients about was like, if your, your sister or your mother or your best friend were to do that and they beat themselves up after what would you tell them would you tell them like yeah you're right you're you know you did a shitty job or (laughs) you're you're a piece of crap you know what I mean like you're terrible um or would you be like that was amazing you did five days like look at you like that's incredible would you you know offer them that compassion and support and encouragement or are you going to beat them up for it you're probably going to do the former right so why don't we do that for ourselves and just checking that and being like, how can I offer myself compassion during that time? And a, a really great book that I often give clients to 
um, recommend that they read is self that's something about self self-compassion by Kristen Neff hmm. is is a good read um to learn more about that awesome well we'll link to that in the show notes too because yeah. I always need a, a great new book so thank you very yeah. much um Chris this has been just awesome Jenna this has been so enlightening and compassionate and uh and and really actionable you've, you've given some really great things to think about and stuff that we can start to do right away so I so appreciate your time um if people want to get a hold of you how do they do it what's the best way um so my website is simplynurtured.ca um so you can find my email address on there sign up for my newsletter there's a lot of free free good offers there free challenge on there um, and then I'm most active on Instagram on social media. It's just at Simply Nurtured. Amazing. Great, great. Well, we'll link to those in the show notes as well. Thank you so, so much. There is one last question that I ask all of my guests, um, all of my guests on the show. And that question is, Jenna, what gives you hope? I think small acts of kindness. Mm. I think it's those little things that we we do for maybe someone we love or a complete stranger that really adds up to great change. We don't know what other people are dealing with. We don't know what's going on in their heads, what's going on behind closed doors. Um, So if you can offer any small act of kindness on a daily basis or once a week, whatever you can, you can do, um, it can really change the trajectory trajectory of someone else's life. Amazing. Amazing. And we mm-hmm. can all do it, right? It doesn't take much effort on our part either. And it could have a exactly. transformational difference in the life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so, so much, Jenna. It has been a pleasure and I look forward to continuing our conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> take care. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. These episodes are a labor of love. Inspiring conversations with hopeful people make my heart happy. If you also love this episode, it would be amazing if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Five stars if you're into it. It's these reviews that encourage Apple to promote this podcast to their network. And the more people that listen, the more hope we can spread into the world. Don't forget to check out the show notes of this episode to find all the links to my guests, books, and other resources referenced in this episode. You'll also find the link back to my website where you will find additional support and resources for you, your team, and your community. I truly believe that the future will be better than today by taking action over the things we can control. And hearing from these guests on these episodes, I know that even more hopeful future is totally possible. I'm always looking for inspirational guests, so if you or anyone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. You can find me on the contact form of my website at expertinhope.com or by email at lindsay at expertinhope.com. When I was a teenager and my sisters were leaving the house to go out for the night, I always made it a point to remind them to call me if they need me. It was my way to tell them that I cared and would always be there for them. I'd love you to know the same, so all of you listening out there, call me if you need me. Again, thank you for your love and support of this podcast, my work in hope, and your intentional focus on making your future better than today. After all, hope without action is just a wish.